I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Took my love and I took it down. Climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in the snow covered hills till the landslide brought me down. Well, friends, we are beginning a new sermon series today called. This is us, where we are going to, for the the second time as a church, dig into the Enneagram and its wisdom for us, this time putting it to work in our lives to drive us toward deeper connection and renewed relationship with God and others. In the midst of a pandemic where we are so isolated and relationship is harder than ever. This is a series about relationship, about connection. You see, I believe that the reason that we, we run from relationships is because it's easier to get divorced, right, than it is to work on your marriage. It's easier to get new friends to move on to a new season than it is to to tell your current friends how you're feeling right now. It's harder to tell your mom and dad what happened or what they did. And and it's easier to to just move away, to move a little farther away so you don't have to, to talk to them as often and don't have to deal with it. And so I don't know where you are today, but what I know is that we worship a relational God who does not want you to run from relationships because the story of the manger and the story of the cross is that God and Jesus first ran to you so that you could have real relationship and honest connection with God and and with all the world. And so take a second, take a second right now and think about it. Who, Who is someone that you know who is on the doorstep of divorce right now? 
and they need this series. Who, who is that? And who is someone that you know who is, who's having a really hard time right now loving themselves, perhaps? Maybe, maybe they're depressed or they have contemplated suicide and they need this series. Maybe that's you. They need it because they need to have a new way to see themselves. They need to have the way that they currently see themselves challenged and cleansed and changed. I know some of you are, are finding it really hard to, to make friends right now or ma- maintain friendships, especially now. And you're, you're feeling lonely and isolated and you need You need God to challenge and cleanse and change what it means to be in community for you, to you. Some of you have a kid who you have trouble understanding and relating to, and and the chasm between you is widening, and you know it is. Maybe God, through this series, is ready to challenge and cleanse and change the way that you interact with your child. And so this is going to be together a seven-week journey this time. Not nine weeks for the nine numbers, but a seven-week journey. Rather than the way we did it the first time where we zoomed in on each individual number of the Enneagram, we're going to talk more broadly about how these numbers relate and how, how you can put them to work, how you can put the wisdom of the Enneagram to work illuminated by scripture in your own life in order that you may know this God who is, who is utter relationship and who calls you in to relationships that are better, relationships that matter, relationships that are deeper. Maybe you'll find out you don't have to get divorced. Maybe, just maybe, you can fall in love again. Maybe you don't have to be alone. Maybe, just maybe, you can be in, in community with people who love you, who love God, and who, who will help you love yourself. Maybe God could, could do a work in you and through you this season of Epiphany, if you will allow God to do that. Because some of you have been doing some things your entire life. You've been relating to others the same way your whole life, and it's just not working, and it's time to give it up. Here's what I know. The whole reason Jesus came was to restructure our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another, and that means that, that Christianity is fundamentally a, a, a movement toward right relationship with God and, and with each other and with ourselves. And so let's zoom in on that for a second. First, Christianity is a movement. And that means that if, if you're not ready to move, you're not ready for Jesus. Jesus never calls someone to stay where they are. He, he always says, hey, come and follow me. I know where you've been, and, 
but, but I also know where you need to go. Come, come and follow me. Second, Christianity is a movement towards right relationship. We don't know what right relationship even means anymore. We're so technologically advanced and we are so relationally stagnant. And finally, Christianity is, is this movement toward right relationship towards God, others, and ourselves. Some of you feel so far from God, and I promise you it, it's, it is not God who is far. It's you. God is closer to you than you are to yourself, and you, you just can't sense God, can't feel God, can't understand God. And God wants to have real relationship with you and wants you to have real relationships with one another. Imagine this, married people. If you, if you could have real conversations with your spouse with no shame, no anger, no guilt, where you can actually talk about things the way that, that they are, in a way that moves you both from, from where you are to where you need to be, Single people longing for relationship. What if, if you could see yourself for who you really are to, to prepare you for finding someone with whom to share your life? That's what Christianity is. It's this relational movement moving you from where you are to where you need to be. And so throughout this series, I want to show you how to, to love God better. I want to show you how to love one another better. I want to show you how to love yourself better. Like, do you ever think about that? That there's something about you that is so lovable, so wonderful that Jesus left heaven to be with you, endured the cross to be with you. And, and some of you feel like you're, you're, you're worth less when God in heaven thought you were worth Christ. And yes, scripture is the ultimate source of truth for understanding God and, and where God is calling us to be and who God is calling us to be. And so this series will be I promise, saturated in scripture. But the Bible, <laughs> the Bible over and over again reveals how God can use non-Christians too and non-Christian wisdom as well to help us become real about ourselves. The Enneagram is this, this Eastern tool with nine numbers nine personality types, nine faces of the soul. I invite you to go and, and do some research for yourself on it. And, and I believe we can use this space, this space of worship to dig into the Enneagram and that we can use the Enneagram as a space for worship 
because we know that the Bible is full of God using Eastern peoples and wisdoms to point out God's truths to us. The story of Jesus, actually, that we celebrate today, this Epiphany Sunday, is surrounded by Eastern peoples and wisdom. Did you know that? It says, now Jesus was born of Bethlehem and Judea in the days of Herod the king, and behold, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Do y'all know what the word magi means? In the Greek, it's, it's magos. And then in the the Bible, it's translated from Greek to Latin because that's the language that people spoke. And so it goes from magos to magi, and then we translate it from Latin to English, right? From magi to wise men. Hold on. What exactly happened there? Because if you translate magos in Greek to magi in Latin, and then from magi in Latin to English, it's, it's magician, Holy Harry Potter. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Right? Somehow Harry Potter knew Jesus was coming and the Jews in Jerusalem missed it. Those magi, those magicians, saw something in the stars. They saw something in the heavens, declared God is is doing something here. And so, so we're coming and we're bringing whatever we have to honor him. We're bringing gold, which is eventually used to finance Jesus's journey to Egypt. And, and, and we're bringing frankincense and we're bringing myrrh, which is eventually used to, to bury Jesus. Harry Potter figured it out while Herod missed it. If God can use magicians from the East to point out Jesus, God can use the Enneagram this season of Epiphany to point out you can point out me so that we may be able to stand and say, this is us, God. And so for the next seven weeks, we are going to use the Enneagram, which is, it is just a tool to bring us into right relationship, right relationship with God and with each other and with ourselves. And, and the goal of this series is not for you to become an expert on the Enneagram. Some of you might choose to become experts on the Enneagram, but to become an, an expert on yourself and improve how you relate and how you connect with others and with God. Because, because Jesus said that the greatest commandment is, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus included loving yourself in the greatest commandment we will ever be given. And you cannot love yourself unless you know yourself, friends. And so let's dig in a bit today, shall we? Let's do, maybe this is a little bit of review for some of you. Maybe this is new as well. So, so the Enneagram sees people in three major categories. Yes, there are nine numbers, 
which we will touch on every week of this series, but we but we share similarities among these numbers. We share similarities with one another. And so for the sake of this kind of take two round on the Enneagram, it's, it's more important for us to begin by understanding that the Enneagram sees people in, in three major categories, in three major relational triads. The Enneagram divides people into three triads, the gut, the heart, and, and the head. And the gut people, they're, they're driven by this internal compass. And they're not even aware of it. They, they don't feel through life. They don't think through life. They just do life. Gut people, we, these gut people, they see the world through their instincts. And so if you're married to someone who is in the gut triad and you ask them, what are you thinking? And he says, nothing. He's being honest. He's instinctual. Guys in the triad, they just instinctually want to do three things most of the time. Eat, sleep, and you know the third one. <laughs> I'm not going to say it because I know children are present in your living room today. And so you'll be driving somewhere in your car, right? And you'll ask your spouse, what are you thinking right now? And they'll say nothing. And you, usually nothing means where are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? When are we going to? If you are an instinctual person, a, a gut person, you operate by this internal compass and you have no idea why you do. And friends, if, if, you're, <laughs> if, you're, if you're married to someone or dating someone or work with someone or are in relationship with someone who is in the instinctual triad and you believe they're going to change, super cute. That is just how they are. The gut triad is, is made up of the eights and the nines and the ones of the Enneagram, and, and we're going to get to much more ab about them next week as we talk about healthy conflict. And then there's the next triad, the next group, who is crying right now because I told them they're going to have to be in relationship and learn how to understand instinctual people, and that terrifies them. The second triad are the twos and the threes and the fours who are the heart people. I'm one of these people. God bless these people. And this triad is, is made up of people who see the world through their feelings. I just want to hug the world. I just want to love people. And I just want people to love me. And so if you're married to an instinctual person and you ask them, do you love me? They're like, well, yeah, I said that like 20 years ago. I thought we were moving on from that now. I, did, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know you needed to hear that again. Oh, okay. And heart people are like, I just, I just want to unpack my feelings. Well, I thought we did that yesterday. 
when are we going to? Do you know how that made me feel? No, but I think I'm gonna after you get done talking through your feelings today. Should I take a seat? And then the third triad. Some of you are already on Google right now. I know which ones you are. You're Googling the Enneagram. I need to understand this. I need to unpack this. I need to think deeply about this today. If you're in the instinctual triad, you don't think you need to think deeply about anything. You form strong opinions almost immediately about everything. It's a yeah or it's a no. And, and, and you don't always know why you form strong opinions, but you've made up your mind. And if you're, if you're in the heart triad, you're, you're like, yeah, I feel, I feel like this is the right thing for me right now. And we're going to need to un unpack this more. We're going to need to unpack this over the next few weeks. But the thinking triad, the thinking triad is like settle down heart, back off instinct. Y'all are crazy. I'm going to use my superpowers and I'm going to figure this thing out. These are the fives and the sixes and the sevens, people who see the world through their thoughts. When Chris, who is a six, when Chris and I fight, a common phrase that comes out of his mouth is, you don't make sense right now. Or this doesn't really make sense to me. And so the head triad is, is, is always trying to figure everything out. Everything is up here and, and they're intimidated by emotion because that's not cognitive. That's not rational. That is dangerous. And so if you're a head person who's married to a heart person, you're like, you're irrational. And the heart person is like, you don't have a heart. And, and the gut person is like, all y'all are crazy. When's dinner? How close are we to bedtime? And when are we gonna? Heart people tend to think instinctual people just have no emotions at all. No, they just, they just don't want to cry every day. We did that on Tuesday. Let's move on from that. And, and I don't know... I don't know which one of these you are. Actually, I do know which one of these some of you are, but, but God surely knows where you are in these. God knows who you are. God knows how you relate. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he gave the greatest commandment ever to love the Lord your God, feelers, he said, with all your heart. Instinct people, he said, with all your soul. Thinkers, he said, with all your mind. And so it seems that no matter where, where you are here, whether you are an instinctual person, whether you're a feelings person, whether you're a, a thinking person, it seems that no matter where you are here, God is calling you to fully surrender who you are. 
God knows how you approach life, how you approach and relate to others. And God wants to call you into repentance. So if you're an instinctual person, God wants to challenge your instincts. You know, the Bible talks a little bit about instinctual people. It says, but, but these people scoff at things they do not understand. And they're like unthinking animals. They do whatever their instincts tell them to do. And so they bring about their own destruction. If you're raising a child who is instinctual and, and you're like, why do they do that? I don't understand. And they're like, I, I don't know why I do it. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they legit don't know. But God wants to challenge your instincts, gut people. Because you can be distracted by your instincts and lose your job and lose your marriage and lose your kids and lose promising relationships and lose friendships and lose opportunities for future joy in your life because you're too hung up on your instincts. Well, that's just how I was raised. No, actually, that's, that's how you were born. You came out of the shoot instinctual. But God is calling you into right relationship, loving God and others, not just with your gut, not just with your soul, but with your heart and your mind as well. If God wanted you to, to always follow your instincts, God, God, God wouldn't have given you his spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit wants you to connect with others' feelings. And the Holy Spirit wants you to connect with others' minds. Your instinct says they're crazy, they're emotional, and the Holy Spirit is like, no, no, these are feelings. No, these are real thoughts. And friends in the heart triad, if you're in the heart triad today like me, if you're a feelings person, the world tells you, you're right. The world says, follow your heart. But hear what God says about your heart today. God says a human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is. Feelers, God wants to cleanse your feelings today and through, through the next few weeks. Follow God, not your heart. Remember King David? King David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do you know what a loyal spirit is, feeling people? A loyal spirit is this steadfast spirit. And if you're in the heart triad like me, God doesn't want us to follow our feelings because they are, they are like this, right? They're like this. God wants you to follow your faith, which is like this. And if you're in the head triad... 
friends who are in the head triad, God wants to change your thoughts. As good thinkers, here's what you're thinking. But I'm not a gut person. I don't just do whatever. And I'm not a heart person. I I don't just fly by the seat of my emotions and let my feelings drive everything. I think things through. I am irrational. But hear me. Some of you are going to miss heaven because you thought you knew God. In Genesis, it says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness. And he saw that everything they thought was total evil. Here's what thinking people believe. If we could, if we could just get people to think, they wouldn't commit crimes. The world would be a better place. Lie. That is a lie. And this is why our scripture today in Romans says, don't follow the behaviors and the customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thinkers, God wants to change the way you think over the next few weeks. Then and only then, then and only then, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and which is pleasing and which is perfect, Paul says. The only way towards renewed relationship with God and with others is through challenging our our instincts, through cleansing our feelings, through changing our thinking. And so I don't know what your plans are for the next six Sundays ahead. But I want to challenge you. What would it look like for for the next six weeks of the season of Epiphany for you to commit to showing up here in worship on Sundays and putting all your chips on the table? Saying, God, I'm all in. I want to get real about who I am and and about who you're calling me to be and, and about who you're calling me to be in relationship with. This is me, God. God, challenge me, cleanse me, change me so that I am formed for deeper connection and renewed relationship with you and, for, and with others. God, change my work life. God, change the way I think about myself. God, change my friendships. God, change my family dynamics. God, change my marriage. Change, change my love life. Change my loneliness. God, change... Change me. God, I offer myself to you to do a work in me as you see fit. Often our prayers before God are, God, change everything about my life, but don't change anything about my life, really. And what I mean by that is, is we often want God to change our, our, our circumstances without changing us, without challenging us. What if God was calling us to say, this is us? Instincts, feelings, thoughts, all of it. This is us. Challenge us, cleanse us, change us, God. Friends, I offer this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Amen. A mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I Friends, would you pray with me today? God, we, we, we open our, our hands up to you. We take a, a posture this morning of, of, of receiving and of giving. This posture of openness before you. God, take us. All of us, our instincts, our feelings, our thoughts, and make something beautiful of them. We invite you into our lives, into our hearts, into our minds, into our souls this epiphany season, God. Our great star of wonder, star of night, we invite you to shine deep into all of these inner facets of our being and to challenge us, to cleanse us, and to change us so that we may be the people you have called us to be. God, that is the journey that we're on, this epiphany. You mysteriously, miraculously came to us in Jesus. You left heaven to be with us, and we stand in awe of a God who would do that who would come as a baby. And we look ahead, God, to how we will stand in awe at a God who would give up everything, even go to the cross to be with us. That is what we do in this, this season of epiphany. We stand, God, in awe of you. Who is this God? Who are you, God? A God who would come as a baby and who will not hide your face from us on the cross. We want to prepare ourselves, our spirits. We want to prepare our hearts and our souls and our minds, God, to receive that God, that mysterious and wondrous light. And we join in that prayer today that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you, friends, into a time of reflection as we sing this next song that is, Here's my heart, Lord. Here are my, here's my soul, Lord. Here's my mind, God. Cleanse me. Make me new. Take my life and let it be always only for you, God. As we sing this song together, would you respond to God by giving back of your, of your gifts, like the Magi bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh? Would you, would you bring your wealth before God today and give? There are three ways that you can give.
I build my life around you. But time makes you bolder. Children get older, and I'm getting older too. Peace at the table of the Lord. There is peace at the table.